Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Jem Fuller. Jem is a trusted advisor and coach to CEOs and senior leadership teams across the government, private, and not-for-profit sectors. He helps create more mindful leaders and healthier workplace cultures. Jem is an expert in human behavior, specializing in communication and personal resilience. He's also the author of the book, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men. In this episode, Jem and I talk about the elements of resilience and ultimately seeing it as a whole value and goal for a healthcare organization. We talk about the transformations that he's seen in the coaching sector of healthcare leaders and private practice and the importance of conscious communication overall and how it ultimately helps connect all of us and come to a place of mutual understanding. So grab your drink of choice. You don't want to miss this episode and join us. Welcome to the show, Jem. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me along. Thank you. So you're in Australia, right? You're in Tasmania? I'm in Australia. Uh huh. What time is it over there? It is a very respectable time now. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. It's 6 p.m. in the evening here. So I'm glad we made it work across the world here, uh, connecting. Um, I wanted you to come out and, and talk with us a little bit about your story, what brought you to the coaching field, speaking, writing, authoring, and um, kind of your experience specifically in the healthcare sector with coaching and culture. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Where would you like me to start? It's, it's, um, not a, it's not a standard story in terms of how I got here. Maybe I can dot point it for you. And then if you're interested in, in any detail, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. But in dot point, 
uh, I started, um, you know, very alternative and with an alternative kind of adult life. As soon as I finished school, I, I started traveling. And that led me to, um, you know, the far reaches of cultures that were as different to what I grew up in as possible. I was just, you know, really enamored and curious to travel to places that were, you know, culturally very different. Um, so, I, yeah, I, through my 20s, um, you know, I earned money as a fire dancer and a tribal tattooist and a volunteer in third world countries, a kindergarten teacher in Taiwan and a motorcycle courier and a laborer, all sorts of things, you know. Wow. I, I did a lot of different things. Um, I was actually ideologically quite anti-establishment mm. um, and and very bohemian. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do the normal thing. I didn't want to buy into the get a job, earn as much money as possible, climb some kind of ladder, and you know build the white picket fence. I didn't subscribe to that initially. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I became a father in my early thirties, my wife and I, when we first started having children, I was like, wow, I need to support <laughs> these kids. I've got to, I've got to get some sort of career. Yeah. Um, so then there was the chapter in my life working for an international travel company. And, uh, and I did end up towing the line, so to speak, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit more conventionally. And I worked with a suit and tie and, and was quite successful in that. It ended up in senior leadership. And in the in the last few years, as a senior leader with a lot of staff and um, and a reasonably big part of the business that I was in charge of, mm-hmm. got introduced to coaching and human behaviour and cool things like NLP, neuro linguistic programming, yeah. and all that sort of stuff, which I was fascinated in. Yeah. And the parts of the senior leadership role that I really resonated with, that I loved, was the coaching element. So sitting with the people who reported to me and and having conversations around how they could continue to expand into their potential professionally and personally. And then also the one-to-many, so standing in front of a room of people who were hoping to learn something that I might be able to to, to facilitate for them. And I loved those parts of the job, Mm -hmm. the parts of the the job that I really didn't enjoy and, and therefore wasn't very good at necessarily was this incessant drive in the corporate world to just grow net profit. Mm-hmm. you know, quarter on quarter on quarter. And if you're not growing that net profit, then pretty quickly you're irrelevant. And the pressure to do that, that drives us away from our core values, mm-hmm. you know, and our, and our sense of meaningful work. And, and I succumbed to that because I thought that's what I had to do. And I ended up essentially being really unhappy and, and living under this facade of success. And yeah, I'm great. I'm wonderful. But deep down inside, really lost. So then I'd come across across coaching and decided that I did want to be a coach at some point. Enter stage left my midlife crisis slash awakening. <laughs> uh, lost my lost my job, lost my career, lost my house, lost my marriage. Oh my um, kept yeah, big. It was big in my early forties, but kept my kids, which was the most important thing to me. Fifty fifty. So I've been week on week off with my kids over the last nine years. Um, studied coaching and you know got the, the qualifications that I was interested in getting and, and understanding. Uh, and since then I've been running my own coaching practice. It ended up becoming specifically leadership. Mm-hmm. And then just coincidentally, I guess coincidentally, or or you could look at it that we attract what we want to attract, but I've attracted a lot of leaders in the health sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I coach a lot of health practice owners, whether they're physiotherapists or occupational therapists or podiatrists or mm-hmm. chiros or these sorts of people who run their own health practices. Mm-hmm. And I coach them in leadership and helping them create healthier workplace cultures in their clinics. 
And perhaps to the, the, the latter part of your question, I get a lot of satisfaction and a lot of meaning um, and it helps me on my mission working with these people in the health sector because generally speaking, they're really good people on a good mission and they're driven to help. Mm -hmm. They're really driven to help the health of the community that they're a part of. And so, yeah, I want to do good work with good people and, and that's the health sector, right? Wow, that's such an amazing story. And when I looked at your bio, you know, you literally wrote living in the extremes, like you've lived the extremes, right? Like from your 20s yeah. to where you are now. But going back to your 20s to where you are now, you basically did create for yourself. And, you know, you, I know at the time you were anti establishment and things like that, but it kind of came back full circle where now you are your own leader, you're your own boss, you're, you've got your own coaching business. So it's quite remarkable how you still had to go through the conventional way, maybe in a way to realize what you didn't want to. Um, yeah, yeah, and also are. to to also to learn the language, you know. Um, I can only be effective as a coach if I can understand the people I'm working with, understand the pressures that they're under in in the corporate world and in in the private sector, and and also in the public sector. I have um, executive and senior leaders that I coach in government as well. Wow. So being able to understand them better and also the language that they use and, and that kind of thing helps me build a bridge and you know if I can help be a bridge between alternative ways of thinking and and leading into well now it's a post-pandemic world isn't it and, mm -hmm. and what does that look like mm -hmm. but but encouraging people to think outside the square to think outside the paradigm that they've been indoctrinated into you right. know um, yeah and that's really being an integrity, I think, as a coach, like you said, speaking the language and having to have experienced things yourself to some degree. So what do you find? I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with kind of what brings people to you um, in the healthcare space. Like, why do you find, like, do people often reach out to you or are you doing a lot of outreach? And, you know, what is the, what is the reason they're coming to you for? And what is the reason why they, they stay with you? And what is the reason or what is, what do they learn after their experiences with you? Yeah. Oh, so many wonderful yeah. questions in there. Jennifer. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> yeah. So how do they come to me? I, I'm I'm super lucky. I feel lucky. And yes, I know we create our own luck, but I, I'm conscious about expressing that I feel lucky and it's part of my gratitude. I, I'm at a point in my business now where I don't need to reach out to people. So my clients come to me. Um, and that's just over years. There's I don't believe there's such thing as an overnight success. And it's not even been nine years of running my own coaching practice that has brought that to me. It's, it's the 50 years of my life that has mm -hmm. brought me to this point. One of my clients and who has become a friend now, and we met each other through a networking group and he came away I, and, I, and I came into his organization. So he is by trade a podiatrist mm -hmm. um, and he's quite a successful business owner. He has five or six podiatry clinics under his own brand. Uh, and he initially engaged me to come in and run some culture workshops with his team. So that was helping them design their mission, mm -hmm. you know, their higher purpose, helping them design their vision. What, where are we going? What do we want this to look like in the future? And then facilitating a workshop for them to come up with their core values collectively so that they all had buy into how do we want to show up? What values will best set us up to achieve our mission and help our, our patients, our clients? So I did that work with them initially, and then he decided to come away on one of my leadership retreats that I've been running since 2014. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in the Himalaya in northwest India. And it's, um, it's a really beautiful program, very remote. Um, we, we trek for seven days off the grid. Your phone doesn't work. You've got no connection with the outside world. <laughs> and we're, we're camping. We have pack horses that bring the gear. We don't see any other people. It's quite a remarkable experience. Yeah. Anyway, this client of mine was, you know, quite passionately taking notes in this little notebook. Every time we stopped for a break when we were trekking, his notebook would come out and he's scribbling these notes, you know. Mm. And I, I came up to him and said, well, I'm curious, what, what's go- creatively, what's going on for you right now? And he said, I'm dreaming up this membership organisation. It's called Clinic Mastery. And it's a membership-based organisation where we can help clinic owners grow their clinics so mm. they can help create, you know, more health in their communities. Right. Beautiful. Um, Anyway, he came, he came back from the trip and he partnered with a few other successful clinic owners and they started this thing. It's in Australia called Clinic Mastery. Yeah. They now have over 400 members, so wow. clinic owners. They're very successful and they do exactly that. They help clinics grow and help more people. Uh, and I, he brought me and I still coach him to this day. I coach him in leadership, yeah. you know, self-leadership and the leadership of others. And he's had me come to Clinic Mastery and keynote at their events. And now every month I'm live online for their members and, I, and I'm facilitating a conversation around leadership for them as clinic owners. And then what has happened just naturally um, from that is that the owners reach out to me and ask if I'll coach them. So most of my clients are clinic owners now. Yeah, that's beautiful. And um, do you do coaching with the clinic owners and their so you said in their staff as well sometimes, right? If you're doing like cultural work and, and things yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a, there's a few different programs that I run for their people. Right. Okay. For their teams. The one that's been really useful over the last couple of years is on resilience, personal mm-hmm. resilience. You know, um, I know that globally we've all been tested and, you know, in the state in Australia where I am, Jennifer, we've had the longest lockdowns globally. Similarly, here in Ontario, Canada. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. I know Australia has been just probably, like you said, one of the longest as well. Yeah. We have pain. a lot in common, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I love that you brought up resilience because that's where I kind of wanted to go. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what I love, right? This is this natural evolution of the conversation. Uh, I had a feeling you were going to take me here. So mm. let's talk about resilience, even from your own life, right? And what you've yeah. been through over the years. I mean, when you had lost, you know, your job, your marriage, like going through yeah. um, custody, things like that personally as well. Um, yeah. how, do you, how do you define resilience and like, what is it to you and how do we develop it? Is it something that we, we do develop? Is it something we're born with? Um, yeah. What is your take on it? Um, so resilience is our ability to to get through or bounce back from adversity, and then someone who, you know, has has a good sense of resilience can even thrive through adversity. And it's interesting, isn't it, that our resilience gets really tested not necessarily when we're being, you know, having to exert ourselves physically. I mean, over the last two years, we haven't necessarily all of a sudden started running marathons. No, we're still sitting at our right quite the opposite but but our reserves our energy reserves have been drained which you know leads me to believe that a lot of our resilience is mindset it's mm-hmm. in the mind 
in yeah. terms of our perspective, how do we look at things? And our perspective matters. So um, coincidentally, before um, COVID even became a thing, um, a client here had asked me to put together an online course in personal resilience. So I was building this course on resilience uh, and then COVID came and the, and the course, the online course ended up helping a lot more people than mm-hmm. I thought it would. Yeah. And the components of the course, there's four components, I, I believe, four components to our resilience. Mind, and then more specifically with mind, mindset, so our perspective, our beliefs, the way we approach life, mm-hmm. and then mindfulness. Mm. So the the practice as in integrating mindfulness into something that we're ordinarily doing anyway, mm. and then also dedicated, which is sitting down and meditating essentially. But this practice of developing a healthy mind I think is really important. Then there's movement. Mm. We know that movement is integral to our, our health and well-being and our resilience. So finding ways to to move our bodies, mm-hmm. and we can be creative about that when we're locked down, we can still move. Uh, nature. It's so, and we know this through COVID of being locked up as well. Being in nature is so important for our health and our resilience. It's interesting as I'm coaching people with their resilience and we're talking about getting into nature, people have been saying to me, Jim, it's interesting when I go into nature consciously, you know, on purpose from to build my resilience, mm-hmm. the benefits I get from it perceptually seem to be enhanced. Yeah. I can see Rather that. than just going into nature because I'm going for a walk on the beach or in the mountains. Okay. When I say to myself, right, I've got it in my diary, I'm scheduled to go into the mountains for a walk in the forest today to build my resilience, when they do it with intention, their perceived benefits are enhanced. So I find that interesting. And then the fourth component of resilience, I believe, is meaning, okay. purpose. You know, if we have a sense of purpose, if there's some deep sense of meaning behind the work that we do, for example, then we have extra reserves in the tank on the tough days, mm-hmm. you know, on those days where you're really feeling not so great and, you know, you're, you're facing some big challenges and it can be overwhelming. When you're connected to a strong sense of why am I doing this, this is really important that I do this, mm-hmm. we tend to, to, you know, have more resilience. Yeah, that's one of the things um, about purpose uh, that I say to myself sometimes when I'm having a tough day or when I'm being hard on myself, you know, like I'll say like, you know, did I do it all with purpose today? And that yeah. seems to that seems to help me. And um, yeah, just better yeah. understand and be a little more compassionate with myself as I'm yep. experiencing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we talk about nature, like, do you recommend that people engage like in like should they be should they not be listening to anything like I know if, if I'm out in nature oftentimes I've got like my headphones on I'm listening to something or do you um because based on your your retreats and stuff too I'm thinking right now um do you really just prefer like yeah mix no it noise up. okay yeah, cool. mix it up mix yeah. it up you know sometimes when I'm going for a run I'll listen to a podcast and then sometimes I'll go for a run and not listen to anything at all what do you find people have the most difficulty with when it comes to resilience in these components? Is there a theme even in the healthcare space that you see? Yeah, look, I think by nature of being human, we we get really quite stuck in our in the way we think things are. Mm-hmm. You know, so or true. the way we think things should be. Yeah. We get we get very blinkered and we're not even aware that we're blinkered. We we think that we're just um, looking at reality objectively, but we're not. 
Mm-hmm. We, we, how can we? We can only look at reality through our lens, lenses, through our biases and our beliefs, which are you know, a conglomeration of all of our experiences and the meaning that we made and the stories that we've made up through our life. Um, so I think it's, and it takes a dedicated practice to open our minds. And so how do you, um, how do you facilitate that gem? Like, how do you help someone who's feeling stuck, who's spinning a little bit and they're, they're almost like resistive. And I know that sounds counterproductive because I, I would think yeah. people who engage in coaching want to be there. But yeah. sometimes I have to wonder if, for example, you have a staff as well as you know the leader um, or the employer, let's say, if the mm. staff are as on board sometimes with with everything too. Like I'm sure it's not always an easy process. Is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. Look, I think Jennifer, it's it's very rare. Yeah. That your staff will care about your business as much as you do. Wow. Why should they? It's not their business. Yeah, it's true. You know, if we can stop expecting that they should care about it as much as you do. Yeah, yeah. Half the step, <laughs> okay, right? that's, that's great advice, actually. Yeah. No, I've never heard someone put it that you way. Go. Well, it's just the truth, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and let's call the elephant in the room and, yeah. and be straight up about that. And so then when we understand, okay, well, they shouldn't care about my business as much as I do because it's not their business, then, then we can start to ask better questions like, you know, what do they care about? Where is the meaning in their work? Mm-hmm. And at this point in time, they've chosen to be an employee. They, they've chosen not to go out on their own and start their own business. So this is their reality. They want the benefits of you know, not having to shoulder the responsibility of, of everybody else's wages or not having to shoulder the responsibility of growing or continuing the business, you know, in that way. They want, it, they want the benefits of being able to just show up and do what they're good at and be paid to do it. That's where they're at. Yeah. So let's help them. Let's have conversations with them about what's the meaning in their life? What are they passionate about? What's the higher purpose for them? Mm-hmm. What, what, what are their intrinsic motivations? Yeah. you know and how can we align those with with the organizational purpose and if we can if we can find some strong alignment between what are they passionate about what do they care about and this organization then they're in the right place they're on the right bus and that's great yeah that's that's awesome i love how you said that um so speaking of which you're talking about communication essentially there and kind of that openness and that dialogue why do you believe communication is so important you're speaking my language because <laughs> I'm huge yeah. on this. Oh, look, without communication, not much happens at all. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we can't have an idea and manifest an idea into reality without being able to communicate it. I mean, Einstein's brilliant understandings of the mechanics of the universe all would have amounted to nothing if he couldn't communicate it. So true. Yeah. You know, and we fall over in communication. You know, a, a couple, two people who love each other completely trip over in their miscommunication mm. and, and quite often miss each other and, um, you know, and end up bickering. Mm-hmm. It's not because they don't love each other. It's because they're miscommunicating, mm-hmm. you know, or, or departments in organisations, the sales department and the, and the compliance department, and they're at loggerheads with each other and they're, they're, they're at an impasse. And they're forgetting that they actually work for the same organization and they actually want the same higher purpose outcome, but they're missing each other in communication. 
you know, yeah. or, or you look online these days and it's sad to see these groups of people online who have identified with their politic or identified mm. with an ideology and they're shouting at each other. Yes, yeah. It's, it's, it's not getting them anywhere. No. You know, and it's it's crazy, Jennifer, because you look. I I look at people, and I see what we've got in common. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need food and shelter. We all need water. We all need love. We all feel the pain of loss and grief. We all bleed the same coloured blood. Yeah, come on. We all get affected by pandemics. We all get affected by global warming. We all get affected by inequality. Mm-hmm. You know, these things don't discriminate. And to watch people shouting at each other and just losing the art of more conscious communication, you know, I think it's something we really need to address. Yeah, I, I love how you brought that up because that's kind of been one of my greatest conflicts, I guess, and frustrations Mm. in the healthcare space is that exactly how you said that people are just shouting. Um, And I don't know if anyone's like really listening fully. And like you said, everyone's got their own perspective and um, they've attached to their own views and opinions or other ideologies that they've, that they've attached themselves to and are, are sharing it. And it, I know I, I, there's no right or wrong to me. It's just, but it's overwhelming to to see that. And sometimes I think like, how can any good come from this? You know, when you're mm. putting this kind of energy out there and among, you know, between each other too, sometimes like how can any good come from such a, and yeah. sometimes a negative place, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, we, us humans, <laughs> we're a yeah. crazy species and we, we identify with our, ideology and our politic and when we identify with something that's ego right that's our sense of who we think we are and our egos are completely defensive you know for the ego it's life and death and the ego will defend itself to the to the death um above and beyond our other values by the way you might be someone who values peace and calm and and harmony but if someone attacks your sense of identity, oh dear, look out, the gloves are off and we yeah. get, we, you know, we fire up. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and so people identify with, with a, a standpoint on something. I've watched families fall apart mm. because some of the members of the family believed that we should be vaccinated and some of the members of the families were anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. And I've even used that term as an identity to sort of identified I'm an anti-vaxxer, as in wow. that's who I am. Wow. Right. Or I'm a I'm a pro-vaxxer. Right? And they've actually fallen apart as families. They don't talk anymore. And it's like, wow, that was just over what you think we should or shouldn't do as a spe- like what's best for us as a species. That's mm-hmm. that's an idea that you've got. Mm-hmm. It's not who you are. You were someone before you even knew what vaccination was. Right. Wow. You just gave me goosebumps, Jim. Yeah, because that's hitting home. Um, And I think, like you said, it's a big reality for almost any, I'm sorry, almost everyone I've spoken with has experienced or indirectly experienced that. Um, Yeah. 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 And if we could just, if we could just loosen our grip a little bit and remind Mm -hmm. our ego, you know, I I don't need to be so vehement in my, in my self-defense right now. Mm -hmm. right because i understand ego that you're trying to keep me safe but there's no lion coming to eat me right now right 
Yeah. My actual life is not in danger right now. This is just an idea that I have and it's just a different idea that they have. And it's okay, ego. Just relax for a second. Let's lean in perhaps and seek to understand, really seek to understand. You know, and that doesn't mean that after seeking to understand that I'll always agree with you. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you have to let go of your um, your values or what you think is right and wrong, but you can just relax in a moment and lean into the conversation. I mean, this is communication in right. its essence, right? Yep. Communication comes from the Latin noun communicatio, which means a sharing, mm, you know, and the Latin verb communicare, which means to make common. So if we're really serving the communication itself more consciously, then we are leaning in to seek to understand and to share something together. Yeah. And, you know, up until recently or a few years ago, I always felt like communication was something we externally um, practiced rather than internal or consciously, right? Um, So, yeah, yeah, that's huge. Wow. So speaking of conscious communication, you wrote a book. Called the art yes, of I did. yeah. <laughs> if you could t- if you could tell us more about it, um, the art of conscious communication for thoughtful men. Tell me what tell me about the title, especially the end. Thoughtful men yeah. instead of just men. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'll start with that. I wrote for thoughtful men because I think most men would perceive themselves as being thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It's for all people, actually. This book. I was writing the book initially, um, just the art of conscious communication broadly. And I had a book writing mentor and she said to me, Jem, it's probably better that you pick an audience and write for a more specific audience, otherwise it, it won't get picked up off the shelf. And she'd read the, the manuscript to date and she said, look, I think this would be really good for men. Mm-hmm. I think there'd be a lot of men who would, you know, get a lot from this book. So I started tailoring the book for men. Um, funnily enough, it's women that are picking it up off the shelf and reading it first and then <laughs> giving it to their husbands or sons or, or brothers or whoever. Oh, wow. um, I think women are more open to, you know, expanding into their potential, mm-hmm. you know, personal development stuff. Men seem to be too kind of focused on the result that they want to get. I'm generalizing, obviously. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, you know, when I run a public workshop, it's it's 90% women that come, wow. you know, to a personal development workshop. So that's that's how the book became what it is and it's interesting having written the book for men now um you know we attract what what we're focused on and i'm speaking with a lot of men becoming better men groups mm. um you know there's a lot of i'm i'm finding a lot of really good men who are wanting to be advocates for the evolution away from the old stereotypes away from the old cultural you know, predicament that that we were indoctrinated into as men in our cultures and we've grown up and we got told stiff upper lip and suck it up and be a man and don't cry like a girl. Can you believe we tell our sons that? It's the most ridiculous thing to say. I mean, I don't say that to my boys, but I got told that. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think it's time to move away from those antiquated ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we are on a mission to have more females in in positions of decision making responsibility and power which we definitely should do at the same time we need to be upgrading the system that we're encouraging these women to play a part in mm-hmm. there's no point in putting women into decision making roles if the only way they can be successful is to access their own masculine and do this old masculine thing the the thing needs to change yeah. right? the, the 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 structure needs to change right. and i think that men have a big part to play in that you know in, in 
teaching themselves to be more conscious and aware of their own emotional state and expressing that, their own vulnerability and being okay to, to express that, you know, to, to be asking each other, how are you really? How are you? Um, so there's a lot of work to be done, but I think it's not just about, you know, women empowering themselves, which has to happen obviously, but I think also at the same time men need to be softening and evolving. Right. And um, I can see that pendulum swinging, hopefully, like I, I'm seeing yeah. more of this. And this is kind of what attracted like your book was kind of what attracted um, me to have you onto the show, because I, I, I wanted to touch on this in terms of communication styles, but you just did <laughs> uh, typically <laughs> between men and women and what you've noticed. Um, so and you kind of touched on this, too, in terms of the systematic barriers, particularly with um you know, with women and healthcare, what do you say to the person speaking of, you know, resilience and whatnot? What do you say to the, the objections? Cause there are objections from people. I know when I do podcasts as a guest, you know, uh, people will, will make sure that I, I touch on the fact that burnout is also a systematic issue and that, you know, what are, so when we talk about, sometimes I feel like healthcare providers, when you talk about things like personal resilience and stuff like that, they start to feel like there's something like it's all on them and in, in yeah. from the burnout perspective or the moral injury perspective. Do you ever get yeah. that objection, Jim? And if you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At the start of my online resilience course, I'm very careful to say at the outset that there's two parts to resilience. There's, there's personal resilience and there's, there are things that you can do to strengthen your resilience, but there's environmental impact on resilience. And it's it, it's huge. Yeah. If the support structures are not there, it's very it's much harder to be resilient. Mm -hmm. You know, and whatever those support structures are, whether it's organisational or you know societal mm -hmm. um, or the the community that you're in, but if those support structures that are there specifically to nurture resilience, if they're not in place, it's really hard to be resilient. So that should be an actual focused goal or value in a way of of an organization is to, is to cultivate that okay 100 percent. and yeah. and if if there's one good thing and, and there's more than one but one of the good things to come out of this pandemic and 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 people's mental and emotional and and physical health being really put to the test is that boardrooms are now it's it's an agenda item on the boardroom table now you know, okay. there are executive levels going, wow, we actually have to do something about this. We have to put systems into place organizationally that support our people's well-being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people like you and I have been shouting this out for years. Right, exactly. And, <laughs> and no one listening to us. And then, a, and then a global pandemic comes and they go, oh, okay, we better do something about this. <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to say, Jim, as I, when you're talking about ego is that, do you think that the, the pandemic has made our egos like amplified and we've become almost all ego in a way because we're so, we're so bombarded. Um, everyone's affected by the pandemic. No one's immune. Um, yeah. I think, I think two things, you know, if ego, if ego is all about itself, right. Um, which it is. And, and even if you have you know, an identity, if you have a sense of identity that is about service. So even if your sense of identity is I'm here to serve, right. which is a functional sense of identity, right? Because then there's going to be beneficiaries of your 
way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still ego is still about itself. So if ego is all about itself, and then the other end of this scale of the experience of being human, let's call it spirit. Okay. Insert insert here whatever word you want. Okay. But this experience that we have as humans, sometimes we get a glimpse of the fact that we're actually all connected. Mm-hmm. You know that we're actually intrinsically and inseparably a part of the same greater system. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that we do actually come from the same stardust, yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah. right? Yeah. So when we so if this is this spectrum of human experience, we've got ego where it's all about me and I'm separate from the outside world and I'm the center of the universe to a spiritual sensibility where we're all connected. It's not about me, it's about us, and I'm not the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Then I think the pandemic has amplified both ends of that. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's amplified the ego, it's all about me thing, but it's also amplified this idea of, oh wow, we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. We're all we're all we got in a way. Like, you know, yeah. as a as a healthcare provider, um, I've always felt like, yeah, like I was always in service to the community. But with the pandemic, I feel like in a way the community has had to now be in service as well. Right. And yeah. um you know, by, you know, take, like you said, undergoing these lockdowns, following public health measures, whatever we could do to contain the virus. And I, that was kind of um, eye opening for me when I realized that, you know, it goes both ways, essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like you said, yeah, we're all connected. Yeah. We are, you know, it's interesting yeah. that the ego um, has done such a good job of, of um, identifying indifference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the ego understands itself in terms of what it's not. Right. So if I see somebody who looks different to me and I haven't even met them, my ego is focusing on the difference mm. to, to know itself better. Wow. And I find that interesting because, you know, this idea that we're separate from each other is an illusion because actually the actual scientific fact is that we are all part of the same thing and we're all connected. When you and I are sitting next to each other in the same room as each other, we're breathing in the same atoms. Mm -hmm. If we're sharing, if we're breaking bread together and eating together, we're eating the same stuff, which becomes us, right? We are what we eat. Yeah. You know, without getting too icky, Mm -hmm. if I'm sitting next to you and I I can smell you i'm taking you into me very literally that's your atoms coming inside me yeah Yeah. we are completely of the same stuff it's really quite beautiful yeah but our ego would have us forget that wow that's pretty powerful i think we should end on that i do want to share (laughs) i do want to share one quote with you and i don't know if you've heard it yet but you might like it um Mm. maya angelo quoted this quote so she didn't come up with it but um it goes like this. Um, I am a human being and nothing human can be alien to me. Do you know uh, this quote? So No, and I love it. It just, I always come back to that quote, went to practice non-judgment and yeah. um, just to better connect. Like, cause yeah, yeah, I try to keep my ego in check, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I really love that. Yeah. I'm a human being and, and nothing human can be alien to me. Yeah. Goosebumps. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, where can people connect with you? You've been wonderful. Um, you can, um, you know, find out more about me on my website, gemfuller.com. Uh, I'd love it if you watched my TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. Just type Gem Fuller into YouTube. Uh, I would love it even more if you got my book off Amazon. 
if you just type in Jem Fuller, J-E-M Fuller. And, and just recently, actually, we're putting together um, a, a group of leaders. So mm-hmm. if you're a leader um, and you've experienced frust- frustration with your team, with your people, uh, for whatever reason, you know, they're not as engaged as you would hope they would be, or you're frustrated through the pandemic because the old ways that you could communicate have been restricted mm-hmm. and you're you're wanting to find new ways to be able to communicate and engage with your team, I'm going to be sharing a whole bunch of resource uh, in a group. It'll, it'll start with a Facebook group, I think, and then it'll be emails and stuff. But if you reach out to me, just email me, gem at gemfuller.com, and okay. say, hey, I'm a leader and I'd love to hear your take on communication then I'll bring you into the fold and we'll start talking about it. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Jem. I hope people follow up with you um, Mm. and I hope we stay connected. Yeah, I hope we stay connected as well, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks, Jem. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.